0: We got a lot of drama going on in the world of indie ball and we have some big debuts as well and an exciting interview for you. You don't want to miss this episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. We are back again. Episode number 170 of the Indie Barport Podcast. I'm Nick. He's Will, and we have an interview today. We have uh a lot of news to discuss. We have a debut that we kind of forgot to mention last week and it's just gonna be a real hot episode.
1: Oh yeah. I mean the weather's warming up. Uh I mean we're we're really getting into the full swing of things. Uh and when you really know we're in the swing of things, the American association is doing wild shit on social media. The Atlantic league is kind of the punching bag. And, uh, and I guess you could say Nick that, Hmm. How do I want to say this? That the, uh, the Atlantic league, while they may not be a dumpster fire at the moment, they may be an infield fire.
0: It's certainly a good way of putting it there, and I guess we'll elaborate that on a little bit here, but before we start getting into all of those stories and whatnot, I think it would be pertinent to get this interview in here, because it is a bit more of a serious topic interview, it is more of an interview I'd like to talk about in a positive way, and once we start getting into uh, the, uh, I guess, hot topics in the Atlantic League and around the around the rest of the indie ball world really uh we may not be as positive and upbeat and that tonal shift might not exactly be the best
1: yeah i I guess i see what i see what you mean so yeah uh, let's kick it off with that then
0: yeah right so then we will throw it to our interview with alex boxwell as a little bit of a pre prepper for you going into it uh alex played uh, in the American Association for quite some time, several years, and most notably last year, he put together a really complete year with the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks, and earlier this year he retired. It was kind of a bit surprising because he was only about 25, 26 years old, so still relatively young, definitely had a couple years left in the tank, but in the uh, retirement announcement, he talked a bit about dealing with anxiety as a professional athlete, as a High level Division I college athlete. And so when we saw that, we wanted to get him on to talk a little bit about this. And he was gracious with his time. He came on and talked to us for a little bit. And so uh, that's that's a large part of this interview that we're going to have with him here. We will throw it to that right now. Here is our interview with uh, former Fargo Red Redhawk, current, I believe it's Luther College hitting coach, Alex Boxwell all right we are back we have another interview this week i'm really excited to bring this one to you we have a another ball player which is rare for us on this show despite being a baseball uh show and he has a very interesting story story which i think is very important to hear and that individual is alex boxwell formerly of the american association currently with luther college how are you doing today I'm good, man. How are you? Doing very good, and I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to uh, come on the show, especially when we're in this kind of early spring or late spring, I guess, early summer period.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me.
0: So, obviously, uh, the career ended a little bit ago. You know, we saw back in April you made the announcement that you were retiring from the game and that a large part of that stemmed from having some anxiety that you've had ongoing on and off here. And that, when that was said, it seemed like there was a very strong response from the community in a positive way. So I was guessing that that would probably be a good starting point here. Just kind of explain what that process was like when you first made that announcement and then a little bit more so what, uh, what you thought the response was going to be.
2: Yeah, it was, uh, it was a really tough decision still at the end of the day. Um, I mean, I I loved playing still. Um, some of that started to dwindle a little bit, which kind of made me lean towards um, not playing. But it, it was a tough decision up until the very end. Um, There's a little bit of roster shuffling on around. I actually was released and picked up by the Dockhounds Okay. Um, and uh, reunited with Jim Bennett, who mm. signed me after I was with Gary, he was the one who brought me into Fargo. Um, and I, I love playing for Chris Coast, too. Chris yeah. Coast was, was phenomenal, but but Jim Bennett was a guy who really believed in me and um, thought really highly of me as a ball player. And I kind of ignited a little bit of a spark to, oh, maybe maybe I'm not done. I don't know. Maybe I might want to go play, play in a new yard, play for a new team. Um, and I. I yeah, it was uh, it was tough, um, and some of it just kind of came down to you know the the everyday grind, and just I'd been doing it for so long, and it took so much to get my body ready. Just with some of my injury history, it just yeah. was banged up a lot, um, and just felt like my body couldn't quite do what uh, you know what I what I kind of expected of myself. I couldn't really throw like I used to, and I couldn't really. Didn't really have the pop in the bat that I normally did too, just with a uh, some of the injuries that I dealt with, and uh, yeah, and the obviously the anxiety piece came into it was uh, it was one of those things that was uh, you know it was hard for me to identify for a long time. Like it was something that that I've, I've dealt with for a long time without really knowing what it was. Like I was maybe I thought I was sick sometimes, or like felt like i was dying at times like i'm I having a heart attack like this is insane like i, I didn't fully understand what was uh going on all the time I, it kind of bled into my play too like especially in college just those the shorter season playing for the hometown team and stuff like that playing for my dream school at the university of minnesota it was you know you wanted it so bad that it almost hurt you as a player that you just wanted. You just wanted it so bad. You wanted to win. You wanted to perform so badly um, that like in baseball, I think like sometimes you can want it so much where it, it starts to, to hurt your play. And yeah, it kind of was a little bit of a vicious cycle that I started to kind of figure out that uh, kind of drained my batteries a little bit. And, you know, it was something that I, I didn't really think I needed to be happy anymore, and after, I, I, I ended up uh, getting to a spot where I played, you know, pretty well last year and thought I could maybe garner some interest from affiliate clubs, and and the phone never really rang, not for, like, a tryout or, like, anything like that, and I was like, you know, I'm 26 now, it's kind of an uphill battle, and the the timing kind of... Worked out with with the college gig. And I was like, yeah, you know what? It's, uh, I think I'm, I'm ready to move on. Still some opportunities where I might play a little, little town ball. I'm from Minnesota, whereas, uh, town ball presence is pretty, pretty awesome. Where I think I might, might still lace them up a little bit here and there, but I don't, I don't think I need the hundred games anymore to, to get what I need out of baseball is kind of what it, what it came down to.
0: Yeah. It's just the, the grind from everything and just the, just kind of the timing working out there. Because I know certainly when I saw uh, the announcement and everything come out, I was a bit surprised because like he had a very solid year last year. And Fargo is one of the teams that I personally spent a lot of time watching because I was really intrigued by that team. I thought it was a very well-put-together team. And I early on, even in the preview, I said, this is a team that is going to challenge further division. And frankly, if they made it to the championship game, which you guys wound up doing, it wouldn't be all that surprising to me. And obviously, it was a solid year. So when I saw all that, I was like, oh, that's a bit surprising. I mean, I thought you still had at least one or two years in you there. But obviously, as as we just heard, uh, there's a lot of factors that went into that. And so I do want to go back to just that kind of the feeling of the the kind of anxiety there. Because it's like a, almost like a tightening in the chest there where you're not sure what's going on so much. So at least that's how I kind of understood it to be. And that it's almost like a self... I don't want to say self-fulfilling thing, but it's a self-feeding loop almost where at least the situations are, you have, like you mentioned at the University of Minnesota, where you have a lot of pressure on you. This is a school you've wanted to attend for some time. It's a big stage. It's a power five division one program. And you have all this pressure to do well and do well. And then all of that's just kind of feeding into itself, at least from how I understand it. So I was wondering if you could just kind of go into that a little bit more.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's something too that, uh, like since it's such like, uh, you know, like the way, the way your body kind of responds to it, like the more you try and fight it too, like that was one of the things that I, I struggled with initially, like when I first started recognizing like what this was and like being introduced to like, you know, therapy and things like that. Um, once I would recognize I was struggling at times like trying to fight it is one of those things that kind of makes it worse it's one of those things where you kind of have to let the emotion and like let it wash over you a little bit and let go rather than tense up and try and fight it and like that's that's one of those things that kind of it it's it makes kind of that spiral effect like especially like somebody you know you're super competitive you've you know played at a high level your whole life and you you just kind of think you can conquer everything like on your own and like whereas like you kind of need to let go a little bit it's kind of an oxymoron when it's one of my one of my pet peeves as well when people are like well you got to try and relax man yeah it's like well trying to relax like that doesn't really make (laughs) sense like it's one of those things you gotta let go and one thing that's always helped me that like I discovered along the way and probably discovered a little bit too late like from a playing perspective is like talking about stuff like opening up and even even if you don't really get into the nitty-gritty of what's going on like just being able to open up and talk is such a huge step at least for me it was just being able to talk and it just that's always really helped with like the nerve aspect of it and just being able to to settle And kind of come down from, like, the shortness of breath and stuff like that. Um, Going back to last year, um, I missed time. I think I ended up missing, like, 10 days. I went on the injured list because I, like, had an episode when I was playing center field last year when we were in Kansas City early in the year where, like, it felt like my heart was like out of rhythm and like pounding out of my chest. And it was like an insane feeling where I was like, am I like having a stroke? Like I could yeah. feel my heartbeat like in my neck and it was like a really spooky feeling. And eventually they were like, part of that was probably the pandemic stuff. Yeah. And you know, some of the things they saw with that and they're like, well, we yeah. got to shut you down and get you cleared by a doctor
0: yeah,
2: or whatever. So I, I missed time there and that was really frustrating and it took me a while to fight my way back into the lineup after that too and when i was trying to fight my way back in i was contemplating whether i was just gonna gonna be done there too just because it was like i i don't know i've i've tried for so long and it just kind of doesn't seem to work out and this has been tough on me and all that stuff but i guess yeah long long story short the uh those tests came back totally normal and they're like well you should Drink more water or something. And I was like, I just remember being really frustrated with that aspect of it too. Or I was like, yeah. well, how do I make this not happen again? You know. So it's one of those things that you gotta, you know, keep uh, working on all the time. And even when you know uh, know a decent amount about it, just the the internal internal battle kind of with yourself is always gonna kind of be the biggest uh biggest challenge you face where you just gotta you work at it and do your best with it and learn what helps what doesn't what sets stuff off and
0: yeah it's just trying to yeah it's just trying to really manage it because like you mentioned it's it's almost like a uh almost like how in a car crash they say if you tense up you're going to get hurt worse than if you just kind of go limp on it. It's that mm-hmm. kind of thing where it's like your natural inc- inclination is to kind of go, okay, let me try and get through this so that way I can, you know, kind of get back to normal, as it were. And instead, it's like, no, you just kind of got to let it pass over you so that way you can get back on it. And that frustration there, it, I imagine that that's... I don't want to say that's the hardest part about it because it probably isn't, but it, it must be the frustration of not being able to just perform when you're like I don't know why this is happening I, I can only imagine the kind of challenge that's there with it because at least if it's you know something that's visible or tangible where it's like okay well I broke my hand at least I know this is what's going to happen when mm-hmm. it's the not knowing that I imagine it's really the the challenging part
2: yeah absolutely yeah and it's something that just like you said, it's one of those things that it's hard to talk about. Like some people don't have a full understanding of it and don't quite, you know, don't, don't quite get it, I guess is, I mean, I'm sure there's a better way to phrase it, but some people that just aren't as familiar with it or maybe have never dealt with it. And it's, uh, you know, finding the right people to talk to about it is, is certainly something that, that helps just cause it's, that's also kind of a, a cycle of it where like, you know, as somebody that, because what I was diagnosed with, I guess, um, clinically was just general anxiety. Like, I didn't have many episodes where it was like, oh, like a straight up panic attack. But it was just kind of something that was always there a little bit. And sometimes it would really, you know, kind of come forward and and be a little bit uglier at times. But just like the constant thoughts of like, oh, like, I I don't know, like, I don't want to bother this person or like, I don't you know, I don't want to be a nuisance or like whatever, just like kind of thoughts like that, yeah. that are just kind of always there and kind of eventually all those little things start to build up. And then there's usually kind of bigger moments, but um yeah, yeah just the idea that, you know, it's not a visible thing. And then on top of that, I, I did deal with a lot of actual injuries as well. So yeah. it always, it always just felt like, you know, I was a player that had some tools and things like that. And just like, it never quite lined up perfectly for me. Yeah. And like kind of coming to terms with that was, it was difficult, but like, cause like I had a, I had a torn labrum in my throwing shoulder that I, you know, I was in indie ball by the time yeah. I, I had that MRI and it was like, okay, well I'm not going to miss a year cause I need yeah. to play. If I just miss a year to get my shoulder fixed, then that's, that's not going to help me any like I gotta I gotta get back on the field and then so my my arm was never quite what it was when I was in college and then my senior year of college I I tore up my wrist pretty good and kind of gutted through that because I didn't I didn't want to get my wrist scoped and end my senior year of college so I just kind of gutted through that my senior year and didn't really hit as well as I probably could have and um You know, I think I I lost a little bit of juice from that, too. And just like nothing ever quite lined up to where everything just kind of all the tools were there at once and everything kind of flowed for me. So, I mean, that was that was another piece of it where just coming to terms with like, well, I, I battled as hard as I could. But, you know, some guys, it's a timing thing. It's,
0: you know. Yeah, there's just... all, all
2: sorts of reasons. There's a lot of good ball players that you know don't make it to the show or are in indie ball. Like yeah. all, all the my respect for for indie ball is is off the charts. I remember getting to indie ball and thinking like, man, like I'm a failure. Like I'm yeah. I'm I'm in freaking independent ball. Like I should have got drafted. Blah blah blah. But yeah. the indie ball world is like. It's unreal how much talent is in independent baseball. Like the guys that I played with, played against, it was such a phenomenal experience.
0: Yeah, I mean, you just look at this year even and the talent, especially in the American Association, it just every year it keeps going up and up and up and more. I mean, even this week, uh-huh. we saw the, uh, the American association going directly at the other, I guess the partner leagues, but I mean, no one uses that term. So, I mean, there's the whole competition among, and you see just the, the kind of ability they had, even, uh, like Kyle Martin, I just saw recently wound up going from, you know, Winnipeg to, uh, Mexico. And now he's in AAA with the Padres. So you just, that talent level is certainly there. Like you said, and the competition's always there because people always, you know, they're always competing for a very finite amount of jobs, especially in established teams and especially in, uh, or especially established teams, uh, that have good reputations too. I mean, that's, that's its own challenge sometimes, but all of those factors. Yeah. I could see how, how that all compounds the, the kind of conclusion we reach there. And I mean, I imagine having those injuries on top of things doesn't really help the, the mental side of it either. And especially then when it's almost, In the same way where you don't understand the true effect of like a massive migraine would have where it's debilitating to the point where you cannot really move. You're so sensitive to the light Mm -hmm. or like just a concussion almost even where it's like I can't really do anything because I can't think straight, can't focus. I imagine having any sort of issue like that where people may just hear and go, oh, well, it's just that. It's not just that. There's a lot more behind it. There's a lot more below the surface that goes into it.
2: Mm hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yep. So that's all part of it there. And so then I guess where I kind of stem from this here, and we talked a little bit before we started recording about this, which is do you think that having the kind of anxiety issues runs more so in, I'm not even going to say sport in general, but just in baseball as a whole, because the culture is a lot of just stay on the field. You don't want to let the team down, that whole kind of aspect. So I just kind of wonder, in your opinion, do you think it's kind of more – I guess, common or more present than we'd otherwise think at first glance?
2: Um, I think in sports in general, it's something that's probably more present than we realize, like especially just so many people in the competition, like guys that are super, super competitive and, and you know, like this, there seems to be like the, the, a common, I guess, uh, like, archetype, I guess, for the professional athlete or the high-level athlete is just kind of the, well, I can do it myself. Like, just highly, like, intrinsically motivated people that are like, oh, I got to lift, I got to do this, like, I got to do this, like, I know what I need to do to be good, and, like, they know there's certain things they got to do on their own, where, like, it's one of those things where, like, a mental health issue, like, trying to tackle it, on your own is, I'm not going to say like it's impossible or anything, but like, it's just such a a difficult battle. If you're just trying to figure it out on your own, depending on, you know, what your knowledge is of, you know, whatever you're dealing with and things like that. And I think baseball specifically, I can't really speak for other sports. Like I, I played football and basketball in high school, but I just think baseball at its core is a sport that just really, really, um, exposes anxiety. Um, you're in the box, you're on the mound, you're competing one-on-one and everybody's watching you right there. I mean, it's a, it's a team game at its core, but I mean, the game is you, you compete one-on-one essentially until the ball's put in play. I just think it's, and like, just with how old school, you know, some people are, I think sometimes, um, those things can be addressed or whatever, or aren't addressed, excuse me, aren't, aren't addressed in the sense that like, you know, people are worried about being labeled as soft or, or whatever. And, um, kind of like what we talked about earlier with how good indie ball is like you're, if you're in an organization, your organization's view of you is so key. Yeah. Like there's some, there's some guys that are in the show that I'm, I'm confident there are guys in indie ball that can, all, like run circles around some of the guys that get a shot in the show, whether it's because of their draft posi- draft position, or or whatever it may be. The the organizational view of a player is is so huge, just because there's so many players in in the system that if you you got a couple guys in your corner fighting for you, that that goes a long way, and you might get another opportunity or two, yeah. um, because of that. But yeah, I think I think baseball at its core just kind of brings anxiety to the surface for a ton of people. Just whether it's you're playing at a high level, you're play- playing in front of fans or you just want it so badly for yourself. And it's a sport where you're always going to play your best, where you're kind of playing with that that backyard mentality. Like when you're a little kid, being able to be loose and and just letting letting the game kind of flow.
0: Yeah. And just the the just makeup of the game, because like you said, it's a team game, but there's a lot of individual events that happen throughout the game where it's, you know, you're in the box. Like you said, you're if you're a pitcher, it's you every pitch you're dictating what happens uh, as soon as you throw that ball. And then there's so much time in between innings, in between plays, even where you can just kind of if you're not on guard it's like those kind of always present intrusive thoughts can kind of just slip in there. And then once they're there, it's hard to get rid of them. And it's especially hard to get rid of them when it's like, okay, I have about 25 seconds before the next pitch is thrown. And you got to kind of get back into it. I imagine that makes it even more difficult. And like you said, you know, the organizational view of a player is so important. And even on that indie ball level, it's, well, a lot of scouts are going to be coming to these games and looking for guys. So, You never really know when are you going to have that scout there and who is that scout going to talk to, whether that be, uh, on the staff whether it just be people around the ballpark whatever it may be and are they going to be seeing your best game are they going to be seeing your worst game if you're a pitcher is it going to be that start where you only go three innings and give up six runs or is it going to be the start where you go seven innings strike out 15 and you only let up one run and two walks you know it's so unpredictable and baseball is a sport where it's kind of hard to predict the outcome there's no real way when you go into a game, you're going to know how it's going to go because just so many individual things that can happen where you could have a 10 run lead in the eighth and still lose the game.
2: Mm-hmm. 100.
0: 10%. So it, it is something there. And I think that's very interesting. And then now currently as a college coach here, and you mentioned you're only 26 years old, do you think that kind of being in that position kind of helps you for the guys that are on the level that you're coaching here that they're obviously younger guys you're a younger guy it's kind of easier to relate to them and kind of have that kind of uh culture set up there where it's like hey if you if you need to talk about something then i'm kind of here for you
2: yeah absolutely um it always helps to being a little bit closer to playing just being able to understand what guys are going through and and having a, a better grasp of like the, the student athlete experience and, and that whole deal, just how busy guys are and dealing with, you know, yeah. class, playing, one of those aren't going well or, or girls or, or, yeah. or whatever it is. Um, just having, being able to be there, you know, for guys and just know that, um, you know, that, that they have somebody that, that they can talk to, um, I, I had guys, after I, I posted um, my kind of retirement deal, I I did have players come come forward and want to talk to me and have guys that I met with on a weekly basis and just kind of watching how that affected them, just the way they, even the way they interacted with guys at practice and watching the way it um, kind of helped them get out of a funk a little bit, playing, just almost not even talking about baseball just kinda of helping guys just know that you know it's it's normal, man. Like it these these things happen and it's it's okay. It doesn't make you soft. It doesn't mean you're a bad person or or, or whatever wherever your mind has taken you to where you know you're you're kinda of spiraling, just being able to to know you're you're not alone, you're not fighting it by yourself is uh is huge. And I, I think that has um you know it's it's has it's has its advantages as a coach where you know you're able to be there for guys and that's uh you know that's where I get the joy out of it you know being able to help guys become you know better men better you know a better son a better father someday better baseball player um, that's that's kind of what it's all about. At the end of the day, at the collegiate level, just making sure guys develop as human beings as as well as baseball players, and that that you you leave them better for it. That, that they cross paths with you. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. There, and I imagine especially for for a bunch of younger guys that you know they've gotten this far doing it their way. That it's it's just helpful to have you know that resource there to know that. Like you mentioned earlier, this is a hard thing to fight on your own. So when you have, you know, a staff and a team that supports you, it makes it a lot easier and it makes it easier for you to grow as a person overall there, certainly there. And I do just want to circle back to one thing because I think we briefly touched on the beginning, but I just want to circle back to it because it's something that was really really nice to see was that whole kind of outpouring of support that you seemingly at least got from what I could tell, uh, when you first made your announcement there. And so I was just wondering outside, because you mentioned a couple guys reached out here outside of them. Was there any like one person or one message that you got in particular kind of stuck with you that you're like, Oh, this is really nice. This was unexpected. Or this really meant a lot to get this from, uh, this person or something like that.
2: Uh, I wouldn't say there was one really that stuck out. Um, I was, I was more so surprised at, you know, the amount of people that, that took to it. I, cause I, I don't know. I just felt that it was important to kind of tell some of my story, um, on a, on a public level, just cause I, I figured, I mean, I've, I've talked to people in the past too, yeah. whether it was in the locker room or kids that I coached in the past, but just having a feeling that there was more of this going on than a lot of people, um, admit or feel comfortable admitting um so i just thought it was important to to kind of say something i didn't i didn't really expect much to come of it but the amount of people that were like man this is super cool that you did this like this just is another step in kind of breaking a little bit of that stigma of uh like you know you're struggling or whatever you're soft that that whole battle with being an athlete and like being able to say like, Hey, like, I'm, I'm not doing great. Like I need, I need some help. Yeah. Just like being able to, to get to that point. So I, it, it probably sounds like a load of crap, but everybody that reached out, like it, it really meant a ton just cause um, just knowing that, you know, my experience can help other people, whether they're still playing done playing or coaching or whatever they're doing that my story could help them, you know, be a better person, player, what, whatever it may be that could, you know, just help a little bit. Cause at, at the end of the day, that's, you know, where,
0: yeah, that's where true. I get,
2: I get joy from being able to, to help people and be a positive impact on their lives
0: yeah. I mean, that's the important thing really at the end of the day is the impact you have on people more than anything else. That's what's, uh that's what's left. And really, I mean, just sharing that was, I think, very important. I think it was something that a lot of people wouldn't have done. So to have that, I think was, uh it was very nice to see. And I could definitely, it definitely sounds sincere where it it does mean a lot when you go and you put something out there that you don't know I was going to be received. And then it's a, a positive reception and you realize how important it was for what you did. I, it definitely sounds uh, very sincere.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Glad, glad for sure.
0: Yeah. So I guess with that, we're kind of reaching the end here. So uh, what we normally do around here is when we have, we have someone on, because we appreciate their time, if there's anything that was left unsaid, something you want to go back to or anything to to promote or plug or anything like that, we'd like to give, you know, four or five minutes at the end here to just kind of go over that. So uh, the floor is yours to say anything you want, to promote anything you want, go back to any topic we were discussing, anything like that, uh, the, the floor is yours.
2: Oh, man. Um, I would just say... Uh all I'm looking for is to leave, uh, leave this place a little bit better than I found it. I don't, don't really have a, a ton to plug. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was super fun to be on the show. Um, I had a, a coaching staff that was super, super, uh, supportive in college. I don't know if I ever would have got help if it wasn't for, uh, John Anderson, the head coach at University of Minnesota. I know they've fallen on some hard times wins and loss wise, but. Um, being able to, to be at that program was the uh, best decision I ever made in my life. And I, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have a head coach that, that truly cared about me as a person and, and developing and stuff. And it had a huge impact and made me want to get into coaching and impact lives of, uh, of young men and hopefully be able to do a, a shred of, of what he's done in his, I think, Oh man, 38 years that he's been there. Um, and then just all the, all the people that, that believed in me and in independent ball. I mean, I had a a cup of coffee with the Saints, one at bat with, with George over there with St. Paul and then went over to Gary and got over to Fargo and eventually, you know, put together the more, one of the more complete seasons that I'd had since I was a sophomore in college just because I was so banged up all the time and just, just kind of want to want to tip my cap to all the people that that believed in me, gave me an opportunity to experience the game in a way that many people uh, don't get the opportunity to. Um, and, you know, it might, might not have shaken out how uh, I dreamed as a little kid, but I think I got more out of the game than uh, I could have ever, ever asked for. Um, came out on the other side a better person for it and thankful for the game, thankful for the people that, that gave me a shot.
0: Uh, I mean, that's really the, the mark of a good coach is someone that can leave that kind of an imprint on you. I mean... Four decades of uh, of coaching is uh, it's a hell of a legacy to have, and then hopefully you'll get to the same plateau of 40 years of having a high quality coaching ability. I mean, that would be, you know, there's always it's always that to look forward to, and hopefully all goes well in that regard. And uh, I definitely appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this. I think it was very informative. I think it was a very a very good uh, conversation to have. So I definitely appreciate you taking the time to do this today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you reaching out and having me on. This was pretty fun to do. appreciate it.
0: Again, we'd just like to thank Alex for taking the time to come on the show. Really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, A lot of interesting perspectives he brought on there. I thought it was uh, a good insight there into how uh, the kind of old school, older head talking uh mentality around some baseball teams some baseball leagues and how that affects anxiety is something that was really interesting especially its impact on other guys and how it's kind of just underlying in a lot of these guys that I think while yeah they're not on say the major league level it's still professional stage and I think a lot of times we think of professional ball players as not immune to this but kind of Unaffected by a lot of anxiety and pressure, it just kind of gets pushed off to the side a bit.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think that it's a, it's a great interview and a great uh, a, a big topic that I think has come more to the forefront more recent, more recently, uh, and which is definitely a good thing. Still, uh, probably not enough as it should be because it's easy for it, I think it's it's so easy for for you know fans to go to games and. Watch sporting events on TV, but very few can really understand what it's like uh, being a professional athlete and like the pressures that comes with it. And and you think just like on the outside, and you see like whatever interviews, and you see, uh, and you, you think everything's great. Like they're hand, they're handling it great, and you know it, the reality is it's so, it's so much more complicated than that. And, and I think that's what that's what Foxwell really showed. Um, and I, I just I just love the really all the conversation revolving around uh him being so open about um the his depression anxiety that he dealt with while being a professional a professional baseball player and in guys that aren't really there's not a lot of guys that are really willing to come out and just willingly admit that um and i think the when he was talking about the the kind of misconceptions of a lot of it. I think the one part of it that stood out to me is when he said, Oh, well, when pe- people, don't just understand, people don't understand when the common advice I would get is, Oh, just relax. Yeah. Thanks. That's like, it. it that's not really, uh, that's not really, that that's kind of yeah, that's not how it works. outdated. Yeah. It, it's just, it, it's a legit, uh, like, m- like medical condition that you just, that you really just can't control. I mean, and he talked about like an episode he had to, he had to, um be out for a week or two uh because of because of something he had like when he was out playing center field so i I think that uh it it's very real it shows uh it shows really another side to athletics that we don't really see um uh, we rarely ever see um and it's good to bring that it's good to bring that to the forefront and certainly uh for a guy like for a guy like boxwell i think it's good that um that he's still in he's still in the game of baseball He he's still he still loves baseball and he's still willing to teach baseball but um but definitely um definitely feeling a lot better and that's that's great to see but a really important topic i thought it was a very informative interview it's definitely about like the topic of mental health and sports which is just it's just so important
0: Absolutely. I think it's also important that he's now a coach on, say, a college level here where you're dealing with a bunch of younger guys, a lot of guys that, you know, have grown up more in a a more accepting kind of. Uh, culture around mental health and anxiety and things like that and so when you have someone that's you know roughly your age you're dealing with 18 19 20 21 22 23 year olds and you're 26 it's a lot easier to relate to these guys it's a lot easier also for these guys to come up and say hey i'm having an issue to someone that's about their age that understands what they're going through on and off the field a lot more than say a coach that's in their 50s or 60s and they've been removed from the college level for a while they're kind of I don't want to say insulated from a lot of the daily kind of back and forth and rigor of being a college student and a high-level Division One athlete at that, which is a much different experience than just being a regular student. Then you know than a younger coach would be so i think that's also something important there and that was just a really informative interview all the way around but you're 100 will with that point on just relax is not really something that works it's like telling somebody that's uh you know got a broken hand to just kind of shake it off it's like well like can't really do that it's got its own thing its own way to heal like it try to throw a baseball with a broken hand but it's not going to go well for anybody so it's kind of the same boat there but yeah no it was definitely a, a very interesting interview and I'm definitely happy that uh, that it happened
1: yeah totally and uh and, and the, the broken hand thing is a good example and it's it just shows really how hard how hard it can be Um, especially when you got, and I mean, you, you can imagine, of course, with, with box one, like an American association level, I mean, how many guys like that we don't know about that are playing like like in the major leagues and whatever sport that might be with like thousands and uh, thousands upon thousands of people watching them, millions watching around the world, like, uh, social media getting flooded after the game, good or bad. I mean, that's gotta be, it's gotta be so, so hard, uh, for so many people. Uh, that are just mentally and it's not something that it, that is really talked about enough so i think i think he definitely brought some some good perspective about that and just kind of bringing that side of an athlete uh, more out into the forefront
0: absolutely there and so uh, on that note we will make the switch over to the atlantic league discussion now because i think that is a a very interesting area to get at right now and for For once, when we're talking baseball here, uh, we're not talking about on the field play like we kind of expect to be in the middle of June. We're talking about a lot of stuff that's going on on and off the field and some of the stuff that was brought up in our good good friend of ours, uh, Ryan's daily roundup video from a couple days ago. Uh, But first and foremost, I think we got to talk about the kind of inferno in the room, which would be uh, from Thursday. The Southern Maryland Blue Crabs made a very interesting decision in drying their field, or at least the way they tried to dry their field, I should say. Wouldn't you say so, Will?
1: I think interesting would be a good way to put it. Um, I, I think I would also maybe prefer a stronger adjective like maddening or just borderline insane that anyone thought that this was going to work, and it was a disaster.
0: Well. You could say that it is, because what the Blue Craps attempted to do, or at least their grounds crew attempted to do, was dry their part of their infield out by lighting it on fire. At least that seemed to be the their goal here, because it seemed like it deliberately set fire. And from every account I've seen so far on Twitter, it does appear to be that they deliberately lit their infield on fire. Either way, they did this on the day of a game, which would be bad enough. But it's not just a one-game day. It was a double-header day that they decided to do this on. And so this whole fire gets started not 10 hours before first pitch on game one. So now we have under 10 hours to get a field ready and all set up for a double-header. And they had to delay this the game one for two and a half hours. And so the first game goes off at 730 That didn't end until 11 o'clock, from which then Game 2 got started at 11.30, and that didn't end till about 2 in the morning. So, all in all, pretty disastrous decision on lighting that field on fire, and if it wasn't deliberate, then I have to ask, why were you holding an event on an infield that you knew could result on the infield catching fire the day of a game? You know, like that just is like it's a mind boggling decision and I can't quite understand it. And then the fact that you I saw Ryan was showing me over there that someone was sending him uh, some DMs from the grounds crew. We posted those on Twitter that was going at him for that. And it's like, well, hey, it was a mind numbingly dumb decision to do this.
1: I don't know what can possibly uh, go through, you know, people's mind about it. And uh, I think that. Whether it was deliberate or not, I almost. It matters in a sense, but, like, at the same time, it's just. It's dumb either way to have to even put something at risk. And, because I, I truly have never seen an infield catch on fire. Like, I don't even know how you do that, to be quite honest with you.
0: It's very impressive. I don't. It has to be deliberate, because it's dirt. So the only way you're going to light it on fire is if you put some sort of an accelerant on there. And then you know, toss a flame on there. If it's just a flame, I got to imagine it burns out fairly quickly. I mean, like again, it's dirt. How the hell do you light dirt on fire?
1: Yeah, I I, I just don't understand it. I mean, from the game perspective, I mean, on a doubleheader day where the game had to be delayed two and a half hours, and you're not ending till two in the morning, which is disastrous enough, but for an independently baseball team, that is that is like it's, it's hell I on mean, a thursday no less on a thursday so zero literally zero people are going to be there zero nobody's staying till 2 a.m and i mean it's you know what if you're listening to this and you stayed the entire 14 innings of this doubleheader please let us please let one of us know oh and you will i get think it
0: was out. even better i think it was even better because if i'm not mistaken game one went to extra innings that's why i took till 11 o'clock to finish
1: On just unreal. Exactly.
0: And the best part about this is they needed to get special approval from the league to allow this game to go off. Because the curfew is technically 11.50 for the start. So the start time for game two was 11.30, 11.30, 11.35. So they were within 20 minutes of not being able to start the game. And technically, Atlantic League curfew is 12.50. So they needed special approval from the league to get this game played and in. But
1: then why did they not just postpone it? Because
0: Lexington doesn't come back to Southern Maryland again this year. Oh, my And they both had to travel today.
1: Oh, my Lord. Yeah. And and we thought Lexington was going to have the worst field debacle of the season.
0: Really? I mean, like, this is... And the best part is, like, with Lexington, you could kind of see they rushed putting that field in. It was going to have issues. But it was only, like, a kind of forced error. This was entirely unforced. Like, you probably could have waited and just thrown speedy dry on here. And at worst, like, okay, you gotta delay the start time from 530 to 630. It is what it is. Now you wound up delaying it an extra hour. Like, I, like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that, that particular place in the infield was so bad that they had to do something drastic. But I just have such a hard time believing that this was the best possible option. I mean, this is some Wiley Coyote thinking.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't even know who who could pause. Posi- like it's it's literally something that you would think of in a TV show.
0: Yeah, it's like
1: just... a, a decision that like Peter Griffin would make on yeah. Family Guy, or like they would make like a South Park episode to make fun of it. Like yeah. I I literally just cannot imagine having a, making the decision to set a infield on fire, thinking that is a good idea, or if that is not the case, having. Some sort of event on your infield to begin with the day of a game, in which case you could somehow have a fire set off, which I don't even know how that's possible with dirt. Yeah, like, I, if you told me go set an infield on fire and gave me five hours to do it, I don't think I'd be able to do it. Like unless you just like totally like put some explosive on there with like gasoline or something.
0: Yeah, like you had, they had to have been something like you need some sort of an accelerant to throw on there, like either a uh, like lighter fluid or. a I mean maybe a gasoline, well that doesn't burn as great. You know, like there there's ways you could do it, which if you're burning gasoline now with gas prices, that's an even tougher decision, really, when you get down to it. Oh, yeah. For an indie ball team, like, okay, go down to the gas station, get a can of regular for four eighty, and I need to throw a gallon on this field to get her dry. Like, come on, there's gotta be a better way than that. But yeah, you think and I thought after Ryan's roundup video that Lexington would have the worst week out of any Atlantic League team off the field with the fact that they're going through a lot of layoffs and they have several late payments, supposedly. Uh, so I thought, oh, well, this is going to be the worst week for them. But then Southern Maryland goes and lights their field on fire. So barring something happening between 1 o'clock this afternoon and whenever it goes up on Saturday, uh, Southern Maryland, you got the crown for a worst debacle of the week.
1: The Atlantic League is literally like, it's a circus. Like I struggle to believe that it's even real. Yeah. Like, and when did this? This never used to happen. Like I just. Yeah. I would say like, oh, Somerset, Somerset Sugarland left, and then it all went to hell. I mean, but to be honest with you. Yeah. It's just kind of since I got like involved
0: mean, with Major League Baseball, it's gone to hell. To be honest.
1: I don't know, and then you have. It was, it was just a horrible week for the Atlantic League, which I'm sure we'll get more into next as well, of why it was so bad.
0: Yeah, because we had other news come out that Hagerstown is being delayed, at least their stadium is being delayed till 2024. That puts them in a very big bind of needing a team for, uh, well, 2023, because they're stuck at nine right now. Supposedly, there may be an expansion team coming. But if that's the case, then great, you're up to ten. But then you're going to be stuck at eleven and twenty-four, which means you're going to need to find an option for that. Uh, a travel trip. Nick, yeah.
1: Nick, I know, I know. Yeah. Let's do Wild Health another year?
0: Oh yeah, you mean the thing that's losing Lexington a bunch of money because there's no fan support that caused the Legends to uh, to have to pay some bills late apparently and uh, lay off a bunch of people? That that option? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a hell of a week, really, for the Atlantic League, hasn't it? So I have no idea what, what the plan is gonna be for 23. Cause, like, a travel team is not gonna work great, especially after all the shit that was being talked from the Atlantic League back to the American Association. We'll get into that beef in just one second. And of course, we'll get to Kamar Rocker's debut, amongst other things, in just a second after that. But, yeah, they were, it was a bad week to try and fight the, American Association is the top indie ball league now. It was a really a bad week for the Atlantic League to have to try and do that because while they were throwing some serious smoke back at the American Association and uh, and others in particular, they got teams apparently paying bills late. We got layoffs. We got a, te- a field on fire and a stadium delayed a full year. So it has just been a real bang up week for the Atlantic League. And I mean, like we don't take joy in you know kicking them while they're down i mean it may sound like we are because it is kind of a funny situation i mean somebody lit their infield on fire That that's just funny but
1: yeah, i mean and this was all the this letter was all in one week like, exactly how how
0: yeah it's it's impressive it's like he it, it took about 72 hours for all of this to happen like ooh, it's just been a bad week for him and i mean like again i'd love to see them run well i'd love to see this not happen but Lighting an infield on fire is a preventable thing. Over I will give them a break on the Hakerstown thing, supply chain is an issue, a lot of construction's an issue right now. I, I give you a break on that. But like all I'm saying is they're they're in a real situation here and I you're not gonna find like any sort of team to jump over for one year. If you're jumping over, you're jumping over permanently, you're not leaving for one year.
1: Yeah. I mean I don't know. What what do you think Smokey the Bear would have to say about
0: this? (laughs) Uh, Maybe that's what Southern Maryland needs to sign. Maybe they need to go out and get Smokey the Bear.
1: Only only you can prevent infield fires?
0: William, you just created the title of this episode. I want you to know that. (laughs) I want you to know
1: that. (laughs) Only you can prevent infield fires? Is that what we're
0: rolling with? We're rolling with that because that's pretty good.
1: Oh, that's great! All right, great. I'm glad I came up with
0: that. <laughs> uh, that that was great a eh, stuff there, but uh, <laughs> okay, we got to keep it moving because we are a little short of for time here. Uh, we'll go to the American Association because that'll be fairly quick to get out of the way. They're beefing with the with pretty much the rest of partner ball but we're just going to keep calling it indie ball because partnership ball is a stupid term and we're going to ignore it because everybody ignores it and so in one of the whip arounds with Carter would deal Jabari Henry's on they were talking a bit about the competition in the league and how that's increased since Jabari has uh, joined the league I believe it was in 2017 and so he said I spent some time in the Atlantic League as well but I think it's pretty clear that the American Association is the top independent league it's no longer the Atlantic League anymore he called them out explicitly by name. And then once that whip around came out, uh, the shit hit the fan. This is before the infield fire, might I add. So this is like the initial thing. I was like, Oh, good. We'll have drama to talk about. And then everything else. So yeah, he it makes a very compelling case. And I think this is something we've discussed in the past. And i I suppose it would be good to discuss again in the future. Maybe not today, just because this seems like kind of a lengthier uh, topic to go on. But yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to see that we're getting, you know, leagues taking shots now, players taking shots now. We always kind of knew that this was a discussion that was happening and kind of a vibe around. But now to have it out in the open, it makes it a little bit different.
1: Yeah, never really before have we seen a league openly take another shot at, at another league, and not that like, I mean, because at the end of the day, like Javari Henry said what he said. However, the, it, if the if the American Association didn't like it, they could have cut it out, but they do like it, and yeah. you know, and honestly, they, they should. I don't I, like it is there is it is nothing but good for for the American Association to continue to put their name in the news and continue to put their name in this conversation. Now, I will say, as long as they have their their uh, they still have rookie requirements, it's hard to emphatically make that case I, yeah. I would say
0: yeah i would agree now
1: with that. is is the quality of play closer than it's ever been yes however until it, the only thing that is holding the american association back all you have to do is get rid of the rookie requirements and you become the best you become i pr- i would i think at this point you'd become the top indie ball league because you are the better run league you have that you have the much better outreach much better um much better social media you're better run you're I mean y- your attendance is is better I'm pretty sure like I I'm it's comparable sure
0: to better yeah it depends on the market I mean markets like Sioux City I mean they're not doing very well but we've discussed their issues right. in the past but yeah yeah it depends right. heavily on market yeah you
1: know? yeah and so I mean you're you're either right on the same playing field or maybe a little bit better and I think that and you're having guys getting picked up out of both leagues but you know at the I, I don't think we've ever seen before, like uh, taking a openly taking a shot at at another league and and totally prodding them, like yo, hey, respond, 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 and then oh, the yeah. Southern Maryland Blue crowd, who again, it's it's not surprising that they are the ones who responded, absolutely like responded and just totally roasted Jabari Henry a little bit for uh, uh, well, because if you remember. Back in oh, it was either eighteen or nineteen. It I don't was remember nineteen. Now, he, it was nineteen. 19.
0: Yeah, because this is when we are recovering it. Yeah.
1: Yes. So he played. A, he played a stint in Sugarland. Uh, he obviously has been a very good American Association player for quite a while, so that's not a surprise. And then he he had a little bit of a stint with the Skeeters, and he struggled. And it was only about I don't know 15, 16 games, but he yeah. was and he but but he struggled. I mean, it's a small sample size. He's definitely going to turn it around, but he struggled. And then Sugarland given the players that they rotate in and out pete incavelia doesn't wait around Mm -hmm. and so and so he was released um and so the southern maryland blue crabs said basically said oh wow well apparently you uh you played it you tried to go to the atlantic league and then uh put like put up his stats and said and then you apparently moved up to the american association which you know it's it's kinda of hilarious that they responded that way. I mean that I mean this is like major like personal, personal beef. Like yeah. I that I cannot believe we're talking about.
0: Yeah, like there was a I was not expecting a direct shot across the bow like that. It was uh, I I'm impressed by it, but the thing is, Henry isn't wrong. I mean, he makes a lot of very good points like you just laid out, Will. I mean, I can't really dispute any of that. And like, yeah, he didn't do great at that one particular year in that particularly short sample size but every other year with Sue falls he seemed to have proven that wrong and i mean it is kind of funny that you know <laughs> southern maryland's flaming people on twitter like they're flaming their infield it just seems like uh the timing on all that wasn't great but to, yes. to, to go back to everything there yeah it it's interesting to see that they're going directly at each other now that's not something we've seen in the past but uh I mean, hey, it is what it is now. And, you know, like I said, this is a discussion I want to continue on at a later date because this is something that I think is going to be very interesting to see. And, you know, I do support Charleston taking my idea of having each of these leagues play each other and try to make it their own. I appreciate them doing that. So uh, I agree Um, with the idea, too.
1: Nick, this would be a perfect off-season show if we brought in, like, Someone on the Atlantic League, who on the Atlantic League side of the argument, someone on the American Association side of the argument, and just like moderated a discussion about it. Oh my
0: god, a debate for this!
1: You oh, n- that you, would be incredible. That's uh, off season, definitely. But you, you, you know. do
0: know, I have three of the four partner league uh, commissioners or presidents' phone numbers. Correct?
1: Yeah, I don't know if, they, if the commissioners would be the I ones. Think to go ahead I think they would. Pr- I think they're. I. Shab would,
0: would. would definitely be down for it. Shab would...
1: You think Rick White would come on? Rick with, White's with the one the I'm open. not sure about.
0: Rick White's the one I'm not sure about. And, I, like, I think I could get someone from the Frontier League. Shapiro, I think, would be cool with it. Although, the Pioneer League really has not been involved in any of this. They were just kind of catching some strays. The Frontier League was trying to get involved, and they were just basically being told to go sit in the corner. So, I, Rick White's the one where I'm like, I don't think Rick would do it. But... No. But... If he would. <laughs> if he would. But uh we are short on time here, so I do want to just briefly mention Kumar Rocker and the fact that the Miners got caught using sticky substance again. Uh We'll go into more detail on each of those uh, next week. I think Rocker's actually pitching today, Friday, so we'll kind of cover both of his starts next week, but pretty good start for him four innings pitch two earned runs six strikeouts three hits both runs came off of a two-run home run and he has been pretty much consistently where his velocity should be uh it's kind of clear that talent wise he's kind of head and shoulders above everybody else
1: yeah i mean which is expected which is it's expected and at least i was actually able to talk to a couple couple scouts out here on the cape who were actually at that start and apparently he was up to 99 so uh not many guys in the Frontier League are up to ninety nine. So, uh, however, I mean, you can see it's not like he was unhittable. I mean, the Frontier League guy, uh, uh, they, they made a bad pitch, and the Frontier League hitters made him pay. Um, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's, it was it was it was a really nice start for him. Uh, and I'm I'm interested to see how he continues to build. Is he going to stay also at that four and in kind of plateau? Is he going to try and uh, extend out a little bit, or there, are they going to be like very? Very careful with him, and I kind of lead toward the latter. But, yeah. um, but I mean, I mean, nonetheless, I mean, he's a great pitcher, and he, he, he proved it. Uh, he proved it again. He'll probably prove it in the next couple starts as well. But apparently, he was very, very good. So,
0: yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think he'll probably keep it up at around four to six innings. I don't think we'll see more than that. There's no sense in risking any injury with the R, there's no sense in really trying to prove too much. It's more or less a showcase for him to just go out and show, yeah, I can still throw this hard, I can do it for several innings at a time, and I can still beat up on hitters that are probably at a high A to some on a double A, some to a low A level. You know, I can, you can slot me in and start me at high A right away and I can... Roll just fine is pretty much what this is, and he's been doing that very effectively. And I was impressed that he was able to kind of keep with that velocity for pretty much the whole four innings, especially after all we heard about this arm. It seems like that was rather over-exaggerated. And also not to get lost, Tri-City just pitched that lineup good. I mean, take what you will, but after Rocker came out the next five innings, Tra-Rive did not get a hit. They were no hit for the next five innings, so, I mean, yeah. You know, it's and that's also something here. It'll be interesting to see when he goes up against some of the more difficult opponents how he does. So definitely,
1: uh, definitely, yep.
0: that'll, that'll be fun to watch. Yep. Uh, real quick though, miners got caught with a sticky substance. We'll t- we'll discuss that more next week because we are practically out of time. Quick thoughts on another Bobby Jones team getting caught with sticky substance. Uh, Connor Dan, <laughs> the the guy this time, three innings pitched, seven strikeouts, one hit.
1: Well, uh, definitely not good especially be, being like a repeat or being a repeat offender as a team um I guess I guess more to come on it but it's definitely not definitely not really a great look at all.
0: yeah it wasn't wasn't exactly great plus I mean we're friends with Brett we've had him on the show I like talking to Brett a lot didn't love him calling out two umpires and saying you know these two are hacks it's like well, he had sticky stuff on his hands and you saw him wipe the stuff off of the one hand and kind of put it on his pant leg too, right after, right as they started checking him too. So mm, it, I'm just saying he's not getting gunned for no reason. So exactly, exactly. Okay. So with that, we hate to cut it short this week, but we are short on time. Thanks again to Alex for coming on the show. Uh, appreciate that a lot. Glad we could get to the hour mark too. Like seeing that. Uh, quick plugs and we'll get out of here if you want to follow the show you can do so on Twitter at Indie Ball Pod. you can do so on Instagram at Alpb_news underscore news or at Indie Ball Report. be sure to follow the show wherever you can find wherever you find podcasts and our show will be on just about all those platforms TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Podomatic uh, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast uh, CastBox like I said just about anyone will be there so rate, review, subscribe uh, with that said do we have anything else left to add?
1: Let's go Celtics.
0: I look forward to reading that thing again when they win. So, uh, yeah, I got nothing much to add. Until next week, don't forget to play ball.